you will experience fear. Fear in the face of certain death. Blair McCoy. Tim Kirk. Good luck. Geeks everywhere, this is Rico, and welcome to this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. This will be podcast 220 for March the 29th, 2009. Uh, back with a uh, more normal, regular podcast this week after the big Wizard of Oz video cast last week. I hope everyone enjoyed that little uh, foray into fantasy and film and a little something different for you. This week we're going to be looking at the two-parter episodes or set of episodes from Deep Space Nine's third season called Past Tense. And uh, these episodes are, are going to be really appropriate to talk about, uh, I think, uh, on today's podcast. Also, uh, we've got some usual uh, news and information, some uh, new contest uh, with a pretty cool prize that I'll be talking about here in a little while, a collectible related to that to talk about as well on the podcast, and a lot more. Hey, so let's get uh, started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Rico, and decided to go a little old school, uh, play that uh, opening theme to the podcast that I used to use uh, quite a bit in the earlier days of the show. Uh, kind of uh, always enjoy that one and the music uh, from generations used in that. And uh, so, um, so let's hey, uh, let's chat. <laughs> That's what we're here for. That's what I'm here for, and you're to, here to listen, right? So. Uh, Welcome again to the show. Uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, downloading again and listening to uh, my uh, uh, kind of nasally voice. I feel a little nasally today. I, I feel okay. I, I got a good night's sleep, feel pretty rested. But uh, for some reason, I don't know, maybe we've had a lot of rain uh, the last uh, day, and maybe that's part of it. But anyway, uh, feeling good, ready to podcast. Just some uh, typical uh, news and information announcements related to the show and the website and all that first. Uh, the uh, first one is that just a couple days left if you want to order a T-shirt, uh, one of these new Treks in Sci-Fi cool T-shirts. You can see all that information, how to order and all of that over on the main website. Also through the forums, there's links uh, if you have questions about any of that, uh, send me an email, treksf at gmail.com. I'm about ready to place the order. We've got a pretty good uh, group uh, that have ordered so far. I wouldn't mind a couple more if you'd like, uh, but uh, again, uh, orders till the end of this month, uh, just a couple days left, and then I'm going to place the bulk order. Usually the last time I ordered from this place took about a couple of weeks to get the shirts to me. Then I'll try to mail them out very quickly within a day or two after I receive them. And you should get them, eh, give or take, a week uh, after that. So hopefully we'll still have plenty of time for everyone to have these in their hands for the movie premiere in May. 
Also, before we go much further, I want to thank uh, those folks who have donated recently to the podcast. Uh, that's much appreciated, uh, especially uh, those, uh, again, uh, who have found it in these difficult times, the ability to send in a little money. It's uh, I've started those new websites, you know, geekplay.tv and jobforahero.com, and uh, just uh, these donations are very helpful. Uh, Rick Moyer and some monthly donations came in recently. Also, uh, really uh, appreciate that. And uh, if you'd like to do that, again, there are links for all of that on these websites. Uh, and go check out the new ones. I'm really having a lot of fun with uh, jobforahero.com. That's my little, uh, usually three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is what I'm doing. Uh, a new comic, uh, sort of a fantasy-themed uh, comic, but related to uh, my current uh, Search for a new job after uh, still uh, a, little, a little bit more than a month now, uh, still actively pursuing that. Hey, anyone listening to the podcast, they want to hire somebody who has a multitude of skills and is just so much fun to be around. Oh, anyway, send me an email. But uh, anyway, check those sites out in the, in the geekplay.tv site, putting up more video up there uh, every few days and uh, older cult TV show, sci-fi mainly, and, and a lot of fun there. So check that out. Uh, and if you enjoy it, uh, send a donation. Greatly uh, would appreciate that. And one last uh, kind of announcement or discussion topic, I guess, or not really a discussion, but I'm still looking for a guest host for April. Uh, this would be the podcast on April, I believe it's April 19th, Sunday, April 19th. I need someone or some people to do a, a guest show or um, I'll do one, uh, or it won't be a guest show for me, obviously. But uh, if you'd like to do that, uh, whether, you know, even if you've done one before and you feel like doing it again, that's fine as well. I I'd love to have someone new take a crack at it. Everyone so far that's done it seems to have really enjoyed it, had a great uh, time doing it, and everyone's really, I know, enjoyed those. You know, it always puts a little different spin on things. We've had some really good ones about Doctor Who, Buckaroo Banzai, Earth 2, uh, and just uh, lots of fun to listen to and, and the Anomaly uh, ladies. And it's just uh, great stuff, and I appreciate all their efforts. And uh, and I would, again, like to have uh, someone else take uh, take on the job, too. You know, you can cover a TV show of yours that you'd like. Uh, I don't even care. You can even cover a Star Trek episode. You know, if it was Star Trek, uh, I would prefer it be something that I haven't covered yet. And I, I kind of have a, a fairly up-to-date list on the main website uh, that you can look at for what I have covered. If you ever have a question about, hey, Rico, have you covered this episode, just email me. But uh, but again, anyway, movies, TV shows, uh, cartoons, whatever you'd feel like, even a music one would be fine. So uh, send me an email, and I'm looking forward to having someone guest host in uh, April. I don't think I mentioned yet, but at the very beginning of today's podcast, I played the new 30-second about uh, TV spot for the new movie, well, obviously for the Star Trek movie coming in May, uh, that uh, just came out like uh, the early part of last week. You can view it up on uh, my YouTube site. Uh, just go to Treks Inside. I think it's YouTube.com slash Treks in Sci-Fi. It's also uh, other people who put it on YouTube. You can also see it over at the official uh, website. I think it's StarTrekMovie.com. 
Uh, trekmovie.com also has it up. It's all over the place, but uh, that's a cool spot. There's a, a couple of interesting bits in it, uh, things that I'm kind of suspecting from reading the Star Trek Countdown comic, other things that I've read uh, and uh, learned about the movie a little bit. Uh, I'm still kind of trying not to learn everything about this thing, but I have to say, J.J. Abrams usually keeps things uh, under wraps a little bit more, but this time there seems to be a lot more uh, that's being released and things uh, that we're going to learn before the movie actually comes out in May. The other big thing that's going to happen is, you know, in about, uh, I guess about two weeks now in the late at the, uh, I think April 7th was the date or so. Uh, they are having this uh, big premiere uh, event at that Sydney Opera House in Australia where they're going to show the movie uh, to a big group of invited guests. A lot of the celebs will be down there. And I think maybe after that movie shows there, I think there's going to be a lot more on the Internet about it, unfortunately. And I hope, uh, you know, if there are some big, big surprises in this movie, I hope we, we can avoid those at least. Uh, some people don't really mind knowing everything and, and spoilers before they see something. But, you know, we've, we've waited so long to see this movie and to have a new Star Trek up on the big screen. I really want to be sitting in the theater. I'd like to uh, on May 8th kind of with wide eyes and just the, you know, kind of be blown away a little bit uh, by what goes on and I, I'm really trying hard to be like that and I think there are a lot of people that feel the same way so anyway but uh, the movie spots the trailers uh, I, I think are still fun to see and uh, I'm really liking the music the little music bits that they're using in these and I'm, I'm hoping a lot of that stuff is things that are going to be uh, uh, you know we're going to be hearing in the movie itself uh, and uh, aren't just some kind of stock music that they're using. I, I think uh, it's different enough, and I'm into you know a lot of different kinds of music, and, and that I think this is stuff that's going to be in the movie. So uh, just have about a well about a month and a week, or a month and two weeks to go. Also related to the film itself, they have released some posters, uh, some movie posters, both European, UK editions, a German one. Uh, also, they finally released the U.S. version of the official, like, they call it the one-sheet poster, something like that, uh, for the movie. The image that they released for the U.S. is just sort of the, uh, sort of a black-and-white kind of image of the Enterprise moving, uh, you know, kind of at warp, I guess it's supposed to be. Uh, it's kind of blurry, and it, it shows, it gives you the impression of motion. It's uh, it's kind of simple to me, and simple can be good, but I, I kind of wanted a little bit more. I, I, I prefer the posters by you know guys like Drew Struzan, who did a lot of the Star Wars stuff, and he's done some Indiana Jones posters, although I think I heard he retired now. I, I, I wasn't aware of that, but uh, I just like more of the characters, but more of an artistic uh, flair to it, where a guy sort of has done a painting almost, showing the characters and maybe a couple little scenes from the movie, that kind of stuff. Uh, and and this, I, you know, heck, I could have done this poster in Photoshop or whatever. I mean, it's not, yeah, maybe it's okay. I, I don't know. There are people that like it, people that don't. I, I just wanted more. I thought that this, uh, this movie, they were trying things a little bit different. And I thought that they would give us a little bit more. And it's still possible, you know, typically movie posters, there's usually a, typically there's an A and a B, like they'll, they'll come out with another one uh, at some point in time, which which will probably be significantly different. 
The, this uh, this one showing the Enterprise to me is more like a poster you'd put in theaters like even six to nine months before the movie comes out to just sort of give a little hint of it and to get people thinking about it, not kind of a final poster within the last month or so before it comes out. Uh, but anyway, more of like a teaser poster, I guess. But that's just my thoughts. Uh, you can see these up on the forum. They're online all over the place as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, let me know what you think. Related to uh, T-shirts, uh, you know, I was talking about the Treks and Sci-Fi shirts. There's a place online called 80stees.com, 80s80stees.com. I'll put links in uh, the podcast notes. But they have a whole new line of Star Trek uh, T-shirts, some really cool stuff, some retro kind of shirts, things related to the new movie. Uh, you could have a, a T-shirt that looks like one of the typical uh, tunics uh, shown on classic Trek, you know, the gold, the blue, and the red uh, uniform kind of style shirt. Uh, just a lot of cool things there. I'm pretty sure, obviously, these guys are a licensed T-shirt, uh, you know, maker for Trek. Uh, and... Uh, Again, they've got some nice stuff. Uh, it ranges, it looks like, anywhere from about uh, $15 all the way up into around $30 for the shirts, depending on which one you get. Uh, most seem to be in the mid-20s or so. Uh, I'm not sure what shipping costs. But uh, anyway, I will link it in the podcast notes if you're interested in getting uh, some more cool uh, Star Trek uh, things to wear. Captain's log, Stardate 032909. In orbit over the American Idol red carpet, we caught up with genius Family Guy creator, Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Star Trek fan, yeah. And in conclusion, whether your dreams are earthbound or set in the stars, follow your heart and make it so. Yeah, we, we uh, reunited the cast of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. The whole gang came back and did it for us. What the hell? Where am I? What's going on? Greetings, everyone. My name is Stewie Griffin. I've transported you all here against your will. I'm a huge fan, and you're going to answer all my questions. Now, question number one. What's it like on the set? The show's been off the air for 15 years. Although I will say it was an awful lot of fun. You know, when Patrick wasn't hogging the limelight. Oh, you, Michael. Fifteen years later, you've still got that attitude. Um, Stewie kidnaps them. Stewie, I'm not really much of a fast food eater. Yeah? Can you read my mind? Can you tell what I'm thinking right now? I'm thinking shut up and get a salad. I want some McNuggets. We'll get to you, Brent. I want a hamburger. No, a cheeseburger. I want a hot dog. I want a milkshake. You'll get nothing and like it. And, and they're great. They all, they, they all, it turns out, are funny people. Which is, uh, which is a nice surprise. All right, everybody got your bowling shoes, everybody got your balls. I don't have my shoes. Jonathan, we were just up at the counter. Why didn't you get your shoes? I don't have my shoes either. What the hell? You need your shoes to bowl. Now, why exactly can I not wear my loafers? What is the danger there? Because, Patrick, because, Patrick, those are the rules. Well, I think it's just because they want another fifty from me. How do you want to do the teams? How about the white guys against the black guys? Patrick, don't be an instigator. I have to pee. Brent, take Michael to the bathroom, please. Okay. Look at me. I've got girl boobs. (laughs) 
So if you are unaware, uh, the uh, great hit comedy show on Fox on Sunday nights, Family Guy, uh, done by Seth MacFarlane and a lot of others, uh, is doing a whole Star Trek The Next Generation kind of spoof uh, tonight on uh, Fox, uh, 9 p.m. at least, Eastern Time. Check your local listings and all that stuff. You can also probably watch it in the next couple of days over at Hulu.com. This looks to be great. They got everyone from the Next Generation cast uh, to do the voice work. Uh, it's just fantastic. There you heard a little preview for it. Seth MacFarlane is a pretty big Trek fan. He actually guessed it on Enterprise uh, way back uh, in when it was running. Uh, I think he was on uh, which season? Maybe the third or the fourth season. I, I can't quite remember. I think it was the fourth. But anyway, uh, they're doing this whole uh, TNG spoof on Family Guy. So check that out. Uh, depending on when you hear this podcast, it may have already aired. I'm sure you've uh, probably uh, kicking yourself now if you missed it. But like I said, I'm sure you can see it online. Hulu.com is a great place to check that stuff out. And if you're not a regular Family Guy watcher, I I can't recommend it enough. It's a great show, a lot of fun, uh, and they don't really pull any punches. uh, So I can see how it might offend some people. But for me, it's just a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, which is always good to have these days. Hi, I'm Rick Moyer, and I want to tell you about my brand new podcast. It's called Take Him With You. Every week I talk about what's going on in my geeky little world of television, music, and in my faith. My hope is that in a world that can sometimes be really depressing, for at least a few moments you can be encouraged and smile a bit. So come check it out. www.takehimwithyou.com The weekly podcast that's spiritual not religious. I'd love to have you listen. Thanks. Ah, Battlestar Galactica. What did you all think? <laughs> oh, sorry. They, uh, I had to stop that uh, audio there for a second on the video clip that I was playing. But, yes, yeah, so it's finally done now. Battlestar Galactica after four seasons, the miniseries, the new show uh, done by Ron Moore, David Icke, and a lot of others. It's finally aired its last episode of the, well, last official episode of the series itself, they are doing a prequel that will be out, I guess, later this year, fall or, or, or late fall. I'm not sure exactly when that's coming out. I, I think it's sometime in late 2009. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I enjoyed the last episode. Uh, it aired a little more than a week ago now. I didn't really get a chance to talk about it on last week's podcast because I did the Wizard of Oz thing. But uh, I thought that they did a good job of resolving everything. Uh, it's uh, It was interesting. I felt pretty satisfied by the end of it. You know, it's very hard to end a TV show. Uh, You know, a lot of shows don't ever get the chance to do that. They just kind of, okay, we're done. You know, it's over, and uh, it's, it's, this is, you know, they don't even know ahead of of time, you know, if they're canceled, especially if that happens. They never usually, I mean, except in recent years, a few shows have had a chance to sort of end things a little bit. Stargate kind of knew a little ahead of time. Uh, when they ended its run in season 10. Stargate Atlantis, I think, never really got a chance to uh, to end things very well. They kind of knew, but they didn't know, I think, enough in advance to kind of have the kind of ending that, like, Battlestar has had, where they're 
been trying to sort of tie things up in the last few episodes. Uh, what else? Uh, I, I don't want to say that much if people haven't seen it yet uh, related to specifics of the last episode of BSG. I did, like I said, enjoy it. I felt pretty satisfied. Uh, there are a few little things near the end that it was kind of like, huh? You know, I was kind of saying to myself, why, you know, why did they do that or whatever? But uh, again, I, I loved that show. I loved the characters. And it really turned out to be mostly a show about the characters and how they went through everything throughout all those years and just continued to move on and try and struggle and, and never really gave up. And uh, I have to admire that. I think that's a good message these days. And uh, again, hats off to them. I hope they win some Emmys next fall. They well deserve it. And Ron Moore, I'm looking forward to uh, Caprica. I wanted to mention one other Trek-related thing. Uh, the guys over at uh, Golden Media Studios, uh, StarTrek.GoldenMediaStudios.com, who I interviewed back uh, around the holidays, uh, have released their next full-length episode. This is a fan film project, uh, the, the Adventures of the uh, USS Adomo. Uh, this is their episode two called Conductivity. I will link all this stuff up in the podcast notes. These guys have a lot of fun. This is more of a, of a comedic take on Trek, and uh, they really enjoy it. And uh, the uh, effects and things in this episode, too, uh, they've done a great job with uh, some really cool stuff. So check those guys out. And like I said, I'll put links in the podcast notes. Once you've finished listening to the excellent Treks in Sci-Fi podcast, why don't you pop over to our podcast? We're called Waffle On. And every few weeks, we'll be discussing a classic television show broadcast on British TV between 1960 and 1990. And we'll be talking about British-made, US-made and Australian-made shows. So come Waffle On with us at http colon forward slash forward slash waffleon.podbean.com or simply head to iTunes and type in Waffle On. We'd be honoured if you'd join us. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Here's this week's Star Trek episode on Treks in Sci-Fi. Okay, time for the episodes, the two-parter uh, past tense from Deep Space Nine. We've got a, several clips. This is a, a two-parter, so we'll try to go through things uh, kind of quickly, but give you an overall idea of the, uh, the story, what I think about it, and some background information. Uh, basically, this story uh, started out when uh, some of the people working on Deep Space Nine started to kind of notice, and it's not like they all of a sudden noticed them, but... Uh, Homeless people, you know, throughout America has been a problem for for many years, not just even recently. And actually, in the Santa Monica, Santa Monica, excuse me, in California, and some of the areas not too far from uh, where they filmed Deep Space Nine, it's a it's a fairly large problem. Uh, part of that is due to the sort of mild climate that they have there. And this story revolves around the early 21st century and the plight of, uh, you know, the homeless throughout the United States. They don't really make mention of the rest of the world that much in these episodes, but the plight to, of homeless people, people without work, uh, without places to go or to live, has become so great that they've uh, created these sanctuary districts, these areas that they've sort of uh, walled off and, uh, in a way, a prison where they put the people at, 
uh, these people who don't have jobs, don't have homes. Uh, and uh, it's sort of a, you know, it's basically sort of a concentration camp in a way. They can't leave uh, and uh, they're provided for, but not very well. And that is the basic uh, sort of thrust of this two-part set of episodes. Uh, and uh, the uh, a couple or three people from uh, the crew of the Defiant from Deep Space Nine are thrust back through a time travel uh, accident back into this time period, uh, Bashir, Cisco, and Dax. The uh, teleplay is by Robert Hewitt Wolf. The story is by uh, Iris Stephen Bear, one of the main people on Deep Space Nine, and Robert Hewitt Wolf. Uh, those guys are the ones that kind of hammered out the idea. They went through a few different ideas and changes for the story. The first one was that uh, Cisco was going to be sort of like that uh, one where he's, uh, in a way, back in time, and he's an author dealing with prejudice to, uh, working for, I think that was a newspaper, uh, Far Beyond the Stars. I think I've covered that episode before. But the idea here uh, that they had to begin with was that Cisco was going to be back uh, on Earth, in, in old Earth, but he was going to believe he was this, you know, gallant starship captain living in the future somewhere, and he was going to be treated kind of like a homeless, crazy person. Uh, but they decided not to go with that. And again, they did this two-parter. Uh, the advantage of a two-parter is that the because there was a lot of unusual shooting in this episode, they did a lot of uh, outside work places and things that they use, some of the back lots and that that they don't usually go to, uh, some of the costuming, the extras. The, the whole show costs a lot more money, and uh, if they can keep that, uh, you know, the, the places that they go and the, uh, the look and the costumes and all that stuff, and they can spread that over the budget of two episodes, uh, they uh, also can do something like this a lot easier. And I think that the story doesn't really drag. I think it was well-deserving of a of two-part uh, episode. I don't think they could have... I guess they could have crammed it down into one, but I don't think it would have had the same effect. So, hey, let's get into uh, some clips. Here's one in the early part of Past Tense, near the beginning of episode, uh, or the first episode of this two-parter. Though I do like the matching pajamas. All right, let's see some logo. Logo. ID. Identification. UAC card, transit pass. Where are we? What happened to Starfleet headquarters? Oh, perfect, just what we need, two more dims. Those shotguns, uniforms, something very familiar about this. Yeah, probably from the last time you were in a sanctuary district. Sanctuary district? What year is this? Same year as it was yesterday, 2024. Let's go. How do they find us? Yeah, so the episode starts out, the, the three of them uh, transport or try to transport down to Earth. And uh, yeah, quickly it looks to us, uh, you know, a Star Trek savvy audience, uh, that something has gone wrong. They are in the past on Earth. Uh, Cisco there and Bashir are caught by these two um, guys, these guys that uh, sort of run or guards at the Sanctuary District area in San Francisco, and Dax is sort of nearby but separated from them. So they, they're split up. That's kind of uh, pretty much the, that's the case for the, the whole two-part uh, two part episode. And you get to see two sort of sides to things, you know, sort of the, the side of the people who are well-off and haves. You know, they, they call them the haves, I think, in the episode. The people that have things are, are still doing very well. Uh, Dax uh, runs into a very wealthy uh, businessman, 
And unfortunately, Bashir there and uh, Cisco are taken to this area for the uh, people out of work and homeless uh, and are treated like basically very much second class or even third class citizens. And uh, it's it's real interesting. And, and, you know, I don't know exactly when, you know, several weeks ago uh, when I decided to cover these episodes, but it's uh, it really kind of hits home these days with the economy and the the United States and so many people out of work and the, you know, even the world situation is not that great these days, but, um, you know, at least, uh, for the most part, this hasn't really happened. Uh, you know, they usually take somebody, you know, who's homeless, who then starts to, uh, turn to crime, you know, to get locked up somewhere. Although there's an interesting story related to, uh, the California area uh, that came out actually not too long after these uh, episodes aired back in, uh, I think these were in 1995, the early part of 95, they first aired, uh, related to, uh, you know, a proposal for uh, California to have an area for homeless set up uh, in a way, kind of like a sanctuary district. They were talking about uh, doing that. So uh, pretty, uh, you know, I don't know, prophetic in a way. Is that the right way to call it or put it? Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's so difficult, you know, when you think about the circumstances that could lead to either someone, you know, still okay, still doing well, having a job, having a way to support themselves and to live somewhere versus someone who doesn't. And, you know, just the blink of an eye or the, you know, snap of your fingers, things can change drastically. So let's play uh, another clip. And I think this is when they're into or being processed through the sanctuary. What is this place? The sanctuary district. 21st century history is not one of my strong points. Too depressing. It's been a hobby of mine. They made some ugly mistakes, but they also paved the way for a lot of things we now take for granted. I assume this is one of those mistakes. A bad one. By the early 2020s, there was a place like this in every major city in the United States. Why are these people in here? Are they criminals? You know, people with criminal records weren't allowed in the sanctuary districts. Then what do they do to deserve this? Nothing. Just people. Without jobs or places to live. So they get put in here? Welcome to the 21st century, Doctor. Hold it right there. If you want to go home, go home. Why do I care? Thanks, man. Show Yeah, the the guy here that they deal with, uh, this sanctuary officer, this uh, guard kind of guy, is played by a very uh, well-known character actor. Uh, his name is Dick Miller. Uh, he plays Vin in this uh, set of episodes. He was in the movie, I think, Gremlins. He's done a ton of stuff. Very recognizable face, and it does a great job here. Uh, the casting, the you know, the guest cast in this set of episodes, I think, was was very well picked. Uh, they also have another uh, actor that I like a lot, Bill Smitrovich is how you say his last name. He plays uh, a guy, uh, a homeless uh, guy without a job, who sort of is trying to organize things in the sanctuary. He plays a guy named uh, Michael Webb, who has a uh, son there, and through an un- you know, just a, a series of circumstances, they're stuck in this area as well. But he's a very articulate, very smart man and is just trying to care for his family. And he falls into um, contact with uh, Cisco and, and Bashir here and uh, and what happens with them throughout these set of episodes. 
And Cisco's knowledge here of the past uh, helps them quite a bit. Of course, you know, they go through this transporter accident and are, they're not just thrown into just, you know, kind of a, an ordinary time in, in Earth history when things are fine and all that or an ordinary area. They are thrown into a very critical point And like Cisco says, they're in the early part of the 21st century when the sanctuary districts are set up. And there is an incident uh, called the Bell Riots that is within a couple of days of their uh, arrival and they uh, they become part of that whole situation through, again, a set of circumstances that's sort of beyond their control. There's also another interesting character who will be coming up here in a few minutes in the clips uh, called, his name is uh, BC. He's played, the actor's name is Frank Military. He's kind of a bad guy in a way, uh, but he also uh, starts things uh, on the road to, like uh, Cisco says, you know, you have to kind of go through, you know, hell, frankly, and you have to go through a lot of difficulties and troubles to learn things. You know, you you make mistakes, and, it, and it's one of the ways to learn. It would be nice to not have to go through so much of a mistake and for so long, but, uh, you know, for the history that, at least in the Star Trek world, uh, for the uh, futuristic uh, society that they eventually build and everyone kind of gets along and things are so much better, you know, the way that that happens, people have to wake up, and it takes some kind. Sometimes it takes a very dramatic, big incident for that to happen. So uh, let's play the next clip here. Temporal surge we detected was caused by an explosion and a microscopic singularity passing through the solar system. Somehow, the energy emitted by this singularity shifted the chroniton particles in our hull into a high state of temporal polarization. Which means what? Which means the transporter beam was redirected as it passed through the polarized particles. Redirected where? Not where. When. The beam was redirected through time, not space. They arrived in San Francisco just like they were supposed to. But not when they were supposed to. How much time are we talking about? Days? Weeks? More like centuries. Yeah, so the uh, the Defiant, uh, it has to do with a lot of techno-babble. You know, it was a transporter accident. Uh, it has to do with their cloaking device and uh, this micro-singularity that they say, uh, which was going uh, through the solar system at the time of the transport and all that. That's what put them back in the past. They, the idea here, and, and reading up on this a little bit, they wanted to create something unique for the time travel uh, to occur, something that was uh, not going to happen every day, and, and something you know involving the transporters, which they really hadn't used. You know, uh, Before, uh, most of their time travel had involved you know, wormholes or slinging, slinging the starships, you know, around the sun, that kind of stuff. But uh, in this case, it was uh, a set of circumstances related specifically to, to the Defiant. So, and then what the, the part of the task through these episodes is Kira and O'Brien and the rest of the crew on the Defiant that are left have to go searching for um, the, the three of them that are trapped in the past. And they take different trips through different eras to find them and to look for them. Um, what else? So again, the, the thrust of this is there are these Bell Riots uh, named after one of the people in the sanctuary called Gabriel Bell. And there is a scene here, and I'm going to play for you in a second, where Cisco starts to figure out what's going on and uh, when he learns of the date that they are trapped in the past at. What? What is it? That calendar over there. It says August 30th, 2024. I'm not sure I understand you ever hear of the Bell Riots? 
vaguely. It is one of the most violent civil disturbances in American history, and it happened right here. San Francisco, Sanctuary District A, the first week of September, 2024. But that's only a few days from now. Which means, if we don't get out of here soon, we'll be caught right in the middle of it. Yeah, so he realizes that they're stuck there in, in you know, in the middle of something big that's going to happen. Uh, at least Cisco uh, is pretty up on his uh, Earth history uh, from this time period. Uh, one of the things, you know, that I didn't capture as much is I didn't capture a lot of the Dax side of this story where she is with this um, this guy that's uh, a very a successful businessman, entrepreneur, and uh, they did this kind of on purpose. You know, they could have split up the group in a different way. But there, there's something to be said for sort of a beautiful woman being uh, taken in and cared for and uh, being, uh, you know, looked after. And I hope this doesn't come off as, uh, oh, Rico's kind of <laughs> biased or something like that. But I'm reading this in, in the, uh, let's see, what, am I, what do I have open here at page 195 of the Star Trek Deep Space Nine Companion, which kind of outlines some of the guys working on the episode and their ideas for it. They thought that, uh, you know, the way to split them up would be to have Dax be the one that uh, could sort of charm her way into uh, a life of uh, a little more uh, ease and, and, and comfort than what uh, what happened to um, Cisco and Bashir. Another thing about these set of episodes that is interesting, I think, is that you have the sort of still, even in the third season, this wide-eyed, very idealistic Dr. Bashir, and his... You know, what he does in these episodes dealing with uh, some of the hostages that happen in the second part and uh, what he finds out about the past on Earth, and it, it, it kind of changes him a little. And he's also very helpful in, in, a, in a crisis here a little bit and, and does a good job. And this sort of leads to a more um, savvy and a little bit more uh, world-wise and uh, uh, different Dr. Bashir and somebody that they uh, tend to take in, in, you know, in away missions that might be running into a little more problems than they would think. So I, I like it for that purpose. And Sadig uh, does a good job here. Uh, what do we got? Next clip. Oh, I like this one a lot, uh, especially under my current uh, uh, searching for a job situation. So listen to this. You have any way of contacting this friend of yours? Not at the moment. Well, in that case, I'm afraid you're going to have to stay here in the sanctuary for the time being. You mean we can't leave? It's for your own safety. Really? And it's the law. What about jobs? How are we supposed to find a place to work? And somewhere to live if we are stuck in here? Well, one of the services we provide is job placement. And how long does that usually take? I wish I could give you a definite answer, but jobs are hard to come by right now. What with the economy and all. My advice is to be patient. In the meantime, take these. They're your ration cards. You can use them to get food and water at any of the distribution points in the district. Hang on to them. Where are we supposed to stay while we're here? Anywhere you like. The buildings in the district are there for everyone to use. Thanks for your help. One more thing. A little advice. Stay away from district security. They've had their budget cut again. They're overworked and underpaid. Yeah, that's uh, one of the sort of officials there. Um, I think uh, the actress's name is Tina Lifford. Uh, her name is Lee in the episode. She's the one that's trying to help them uh, deal with getting into the sanctuary and ex- 
explains to them the situation that they have to stay there, hear your ration cards, uh, go be quiet, and uh, and just live here. Even though um, you know it's it's a really difficult problem when you think about it. You know, you need a job, try to find a job, but you're stuck into this place, and it's very hard to do that. And uh, like she said, and like it is currently true. It, jobs are kind of scarce and uh you know avoid those uh, guards and things out there so uh let's play another clip uh they eventually uh, i'll set this one up a little bit they eventually uh meet up with gabriel bell who is uh, instrumental in this whole bell riot uh part of history that cisco remembers but uh because of a of a fight and something happens uh the he is killed he dies and so that leads to, uh, even though they're trying very hard to, uh, both uh, Cisco and Bashir are trying hard not to interfere in the past. They don't want to change anything. But because, uh, because of what happens with Bell, they're, they're forced to get involved. So listen to this. So things have kind of gotten messed up here. Uh, they they try to break up a, a fight, a disturbance, and, and Gabriel Bell, uh, the uh, one of the uh, you know key people in the Bell riot situation through history or, or in the past, has uh, died. So they have to get involved a little bit more. And uh, the next scene uh, that I'm going to play for you, this is a good scene between uh, Webb, uh, played by Bill Simitrovich, and uh, the the two guys, uh, Cisco and Bashir, and talking about this rally that he wants to start to sort of get the people on the outside of the Sanctuary District to take notice of them and to do something about their situation. Day after tomorrow, I'm going to hold a rally outside the Processing Center. I want everyone to be there. Gimmies, ghosts, even the dims. I want to remind the people outside that we haven't done anything wrong, that we're not criminals, and that we don't deserve to live like this. We'll spread the word. Good. One more thing. Tell people when they come to the rally to bring their families, their kids, and try to look their best. We're not derelicts, no matter what they say about us. I could probably use a shave. Not to mention a bath. Again, I, I really like this character, this web character. He he's even though he's he's living in this very you know difficult situation and in you know this area and little food and very little creature comforts. He he is sort of a noble individual. He's trying to do better. He's trying to maintain uh, his values and he's also trying to do something about his situation rather than just sort of curl up. Or, or turn to being a, a, what they call a ghost. They have all these different little terms in these episodes. Uh, the ghosts are kind of these, uh, you know, they, they become sort of the, uh, 
mob guys in a way in, in the sanctuary. They're the guys that push other people around and take their stuff, whatever they have, their food, their clothing, whatever little bit. Uh, they're the gimmies who, who sort of, uh, that's what uh, Bashir and Cisco are, the ones that sort of are, have skills, have or are trying to get jobs in that, in other words, gimme things. And then there are the dims, which uh, are, I guess, a, a sort of a slang term for the people that are stuck in there who have, you know, whether they have some kind of physical or mental uh, difficulty, uh, they really don't belong there. They belong more in a hospital, and that happens a few times. Bashir runs into some people throughout these episodes that, you know, he feels very bad for and he wants to help. Uh, because they need medical care, they don't need to be tossed into this place. So it's a, it's really a set of strong episodes, and I and I like the fact that they they took on such a, you know, a very, you know, it's kind of the subject and topic that uh, people, you know, they they just don't want to think about sometimes, and they'd rather just sort of turn and and look away. You know, you walk down the street, and there's somebody homeless, or there's something going on, and. and you know, your your idea is you don't want to get near them, you don't want to do anything for them, and uh, it's it's a really uh, a hard subject to deal with, and a, and a good job I think on their part uh, to do this set of episodes. So uh, next we're going to get into uh, the second episode, or excuse me, yeah, the second part I guess of this two parter. Got a few more clips to play, I guess about four or five. Uh, they get into this hostage hostage situation where. Uh, the the character, uh, the BC guy, the bad guy of these episodes, in a way, uh, he takes some hostages, some people that work in the sanctuary area, the guards, uh, the sort of people who try to help them that Cisco and Bashir dealt with to begin with, and all that. Uh, they're taken hostage until uh, their demands are met. In other words, they want to get out of here. So listen to this one. Look, last time I checked, this was my party. That means I get to decide who's on the guest list and who isn't. We needed people we could trust in here. What's that supposed to mean? How many ghosts do you know who you can really trust? One. Me. And that's enough. No, it isn't. Not here. Not now. We need people to guard the building. Watch the exits. Keep an eye on the hostages when we need to sleep. All right, all right. You made your point. Just keep them out of my hair. The important thing we have to decide is what we're going to do with those hostages. Don't worry about that. I've got it all figured out. I bet you do. And just to prove I'm not such a bad guy, I'm going to let you two in on it. It's simple. We trade the hostages for our freedom. We get amnesty, a handful of credit chips, and a flight to anywhere we want. Personally, I'm thinking Tasmania. One thing uh, to uh, keep in mind uh, with this set of this two-parter, one thing I didn't realize was that they were directed by two different people. Uh, part one uh, was directed by a guy named Reza Badi, Badia, Badia, I think. And uh, the second part, though, is directed by Jonathan Frakes. Uh, of course, number one directs this, uh, and the uh, the thing about that that's kind of critical and kind of important is this episode. Uh, kind of helped him in a way uh, quite a bit to get the job to direct the movie First Contact. He used uh, his abilities, you know, there's a lot of action and kind of drama going on in this episode in the second part of it. And this episode, along with, I think, the, the TNG one, Cause and Effect, he submitted to Paramount when he was sort of lobbying and trying to get the job to direct First Contact. So uh, when you watch this episode, you can see some of... Uh, 
his abilities with uh, with that kind of situation and the hostage area and the, you know the action that goes on in this. These are uh, again different for Deep Space Nine. Deep, Spa- Deep Space Nine was a, a very uh, both ship and space station centered uh, series. They didn't get off the station a lot. You know, occasionally they get down to a planet or or from the ships or whatever, but. Uh, they didn't get out on on street lots and things like they did in these episodes, which I think makes a lot makes it for really interesting. They did a lot of night shooting for these, and it, it gave a whole different look to the show. And everyone's kind of dirty and beaten up a little bit, and looking and wearing you know period costumes and that. And I I, I enjoy that part of it, and it, it makes for a different set of episodes for DS Nine. The next uh, one, I think this one is a uh, clip between. Uh, Webb uh, and Cisco playing now uh, Gabriel Bell. He sort of takes on that role and persona. He replaces Bell, and since they had a similar look, he is the one that is is trying to negotiate the situation with uh, this police officer who is handling the hostage crisis. The governor assures me that if you let the hostages go, he'll reduce the charges against you to incitement to riot. That's it? What about closing the sanctuary? What about jobs? The governor intends to form a committee to look into the problems facing the district residents. So what you're telling us is that nothing is going to change. I wouldn't say that. But change takes time. You've run out of time. Gentlemen, if I were you, I would seriously consider taking this offer. Or else what? The governor is not going to let the situation continue forever. You tell him if he wants to see those hostages again, he's going to have to do better. Yeah, it's a good scene. Uh, One thing I didn't capture, uh, one bit of sort of stunt casting in a way in this second part of this episode, is they bring in Clint Howard. He he plays this uh, guy in the sanctuary who steals Jedzia's uh, comm badge, who she has to run and get it back. I didn't capture any audio for that, but Clint, uh, of course played uh, on the original Trek in the episode The Corbomite Maneuver. He played Balok uh, as a small boy, or he was a small boy at the time. He was Balok, the leader of the, the the ship that the Enterprise runs into in that episode. And it's uh, it's fun to see him here again. He plays this uh, character in this episode, this crazy guy in the Sanctuary, pretty well. And Jadzia goes, like I said, to get her comm badge back uh, from him. Uh, but I didn't capture that. So that they uh, interesting a little bit of trivia. They were trying to get the uh, the singer Iggy Iggy Pop to play that role. I guess they for a while they wanted to get him on the show, and I guess for some reason Iggy was a, a Trek uh, follower and fan. But they could never connect. Uh, you know the timing and everything. He was off doing some kind of a. Uh, show or something at the time and it didn't work out but uh but they had like again like i said these episodes to me have some really good casting in them uh the next uh scene there is a clip here i do with have with jedzia where she's trying to convince uh this guy this uh successful businessman that she's uh come in contact with to help them uh transmit uh, out to the idea here is that during this riots and, and and the hostage situation they want to get the message out for what the people in the sanctuary district are like, what they're all about. And I, I feel this is a very strong message and a strong scene where uh, they want the public, you know, the public has, has a lot of power if they get behind something. 
And once the public realizes that the people inside these sanctuary areas are not derelicts, they are not uh, dangerous, really. Uh, overall, they've been driven to some drastic measures, but they're just people, people who want to work, who want to participate in society, who want to do good. And uh, I, I like what they're uh, trying to say here. Don't you want to know? Don't you think that the public deserves to know? You are asking me to break the law. I am asking you to give those people a voice. Chris, sooner or later, the government is going to retake the sanctuary district. And when they do, a lot of people are going to die. And unless the public learns why the sanctuary residents did what they did, all those deaths will be for nothing. You know, I'll lose my license. But I'll get great ratings. My name is Henry Garcia. I've been living here two years now. I came to San Francisco to work in a brewery, but they laid a bunch of us off because they got some new equipment. And so I ended up here. I've never been in trouble with the law or anything. I don't want to hurt anybody. I just want a chance to work and to live like regular people. My name is Julie Hess. Governor, I understand your concern, but I think the use of force would be premature at this time. It's interesting that that scene uh, in, in this episode where they're all at the little computer terminal, all telling uh, kind of in a, a short period of time their 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 story. You know, hey, uh, this is I'm such and such. Uh, this is what I can do. I I, I want to work. Blah blah blah. Kind of gives me some ideas uh, for even my current situation. I know people uh, do videos for looking for a job and you know they put things out on the web but i i wonder if there's any really organized site where that's that's possible i mean there's obviously the job ones out there but where there was just sort of like a youtube channel for uh you know hey i'm looking for a job this is me blah 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 i'll have to look into that a little bit and search around if anyone uh has any ideas about that uh if there's anything organized out there like that uh i'd be curious uh send me an email treksf at gmail.com uh, there's a couple little clips left to go here. Uh, the next one, uh, oh, I wanted to say one other thing about that last clip. The guy uh, playing Chris Brenner, who is the successful entrepreneur guy that uh, Dax runs into, uh, the actor is uh, Jim Metzler is his name. So, And I've seen him in uh, quite a few TV shows. Uh, next clip is uh, when the you know they kind of bust in. Eventually the uh, governor orders them to sort of bust into the hostage situation and take over and take control back. And uh, unfortunately, Webb is killed in the process. So uh, listen to this clip during that uh, time. And I can handle things in here. Give me that. All right, men, let's move. How is he? Lucky. He'll live. The next time I tell you to stay down, you gotcha. What about Webb? Uh, 
Yeah, during the uh, the break in there by the the military guys or the police, uh, Cisco gets shot. He's protecting that uh, Vin character, and uh, Webb dies though. And uh, I've got one more clip here towards the end of the episode, uh, kind of wrap things up, and then I'll come back and finish my comments on uh, past tense. You both died here. Is that okay with you, Bill? Thanks. My pleasure. Come on, let's get you out of here. Anything else we can do for you? There is one more thing. Name it. Tell people the truth about what happened here. I would have done that anyway. First officer's log supplemental. Upon returning to the present with our missing crew members, we were relieved to discover that the timeline had been restored. How do you feel? Better. I thought you might like to see this. I found it in the historical database. I'm not looking forward to explaining this to Starfleet Command. Well, at least it's a good picture. You know, Commander, having seen a little of the 21st century, there is one thing I don't understand. How could they have let things get so bad? That's a good question. I wish I had an answer. Right, there you go with a uh, look at past tense. Uh, a couple last things I wanted to say about this episode. When uh, Kira and O'Brien are going to the different periods of Earth history, there's a period in the 1930s they go back, and uh, the art department cre- recreated a poster, a boxing poster, that was also seen in the classic episode City on the Edge of Forever, and it's kind of up on a building when they go into that time period. So I thought that was a nice little touch. Uh, they have some funny moments in there where they go to the 60s and they run into that sort of uh, hippie couple and who do the little peace signs at them and, and that. Uh, but it's a, it's a good set of episodes, past tense, DS9, season three, and I think it has a very good message, a message about, uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, have people get them back to work and hopefully we'll never get into the situation of having these walled off areas where they toss everyone in there who doesn't uh, have a job (laughs) i don't want to go in there so (laughs) anyway uh i will be uh right back with a look at a new collectible and a contest hi rico this is rick from aberdeen i'm so glad that you're reviewing the deep space nine episodes past tense what a great set of shows I really, really like it when Star Trek does stories that go back in time, but not back to where we are, maybe back in the past or back to our future. And I think it's cool because you get to see a perspective from the writers on what our future might hold for us. In this case, I thought it was very, very interesting, the, the, the way that they portrayed Earth, uh, having like class warfare 
as far as some people being very, very rich and some people just having to exist within the sanctuary and so on and so forth. Really liked the idea of Gabriel Bell and how Cisco took on his identity after the, the premature death of Gabriel. I liked that. I thought that was really cool. I liked it when they took the folks hostage and then they tried to deal with the hostages and, you know, um, uh, they were trying to be compassionate and everything. And of course, they had the long haired guy that was like wanting to shoot him. And it was just a really neat way to tell a story. And so I, I just I really liked the episode. I, I thought that both of them were excellent. And uh, I like I said, I really enjoy Star Trek when they do time travel. I don't know why. I know people say it's overused and all this stuff, but I just find it fascinating and fun. And this this in particular was a great story that I could watch over and over. Kind of remind me of Planet of the Apes and and some other things like the Voyager episode. Um, uh, you know where they go back and Starling is there and all that stuff and Chrono works and all that. I just really enjoy these kind of stories. So I, I would give this episode a 4.5 out of 5 stars because I liked it so much. So thanks Rico for all you do. I really, really enjoy it. I'm going to try to get another song to you soon. I've uh, been sick with a cold this last week, uh, but I'm working on a Battlestar Galactica finale song that, that everybody might enjoy. So I'll have that to you soon. Okay, have a good one and I'll see you later. Well, thanks very much for your comments about the episode, uh, Rick. I really appreciate it, and I'm glad your dad's doing better, too. That's great news. Uh, the collectible for the week that I want to talk about, uh, this is a, a really cool item. I was sent a, a couple of uh, the new Star Trek Continuum edition of uh, Monopoly, Star Trek Monopoly, uh, put out by the USA, uh, USopoly, uh, it's USA. I think uh, opoly.com. I'll put some links in the podcast notes. Uh, but you can find them uh, at different uh, places online to buy these. Uh, I'll, again, put some links in the notes. But anyway, they sent me a couple of copies of this new Star Trek Monopoly game, uh, which is <laughs> it's kind of funny because I, I don't know if I've told this story on, on the podcast before, but a very long time ago in a galaxy far... No, okay, that's a different franchise, but... <laughs> The uh, when I was growing up, there you know there you know you had the classic Trek reruns, but merchandising for Trek was pretty much non-existent. We occasionally would get a couple of books, um, but nothing else really. I mean, you didn't even have videotapes yet. Uh, I had to record audio copies of the shows from TV, holding up an old cassette recorder to the speaker on the TV set. Uh, anyway. What I did, though, when I was growing up, I did this probably about when I was in high school, maybe, something like that. I don't know, maybe if I was a little younger. I think I was probably younger than that. Anyway, I took an old uh, Parker Brothers Monopoly game, and I made my own version of uh, Monopoly uh, based on Star Trek. I, I Basically, I, I cut out and I drew little pictures or cut things out of magazines or, or, or I did photocopies. I don't know uh, sure how I did it all. And I think I have it stuffed away somewhere in a box in, in the garage. But I, I replaced, I took a uh, Monopoly game and I stuck over all the properties and created a whole new set of chance and community chess cards with Star Trek uh, things on them and ideas. Uh, but I, I basically converted over a Monopoly game to Star Trek. And for uh, many years now, it seems like these uh, Monopoly games with different themes, sometimes for places, sometimes for universities... Uh, for entertainment properties like Trek and Star Wars. They've done these Monopoly games uh, based on, on new things. And this one, of course, is the, the latest Star Trek one that they've done. 
You, you, you play it still pretty much like Monopoly. The board is, of course, all redone with a Star Trek theme. They kind of have incorporated all the series into it. There's pictures of the four captains, uh, Archer, Kirk, Cisco, and Janeway on the, the face of it, and Picard, of course. And then uh, the properties, as you go along from Go, it starts out with uh, basically the properties are different planets or civilizations like Vulcan, uh, Earth, uh, Starfleet, uh, like where Boardwalk would be on a regular Monopoly board, uh, the United Federation of Planet Headquarters is, uh, where Park Place, it's Starfleet Command. The railroads are all turned into uh, ships. Uh, the Enterprise, it looks like we have a Klingon Bird of Prey, Romulan Warbird, and Voyager they used as the railroad spots. Uh, again, Kittimer, Ferenginar, uh Founders, Tholia, some of the different properties, Cardassia Prime, uh, Beta Z, uh, Romulus, Remus. Uh, it's just uh, very well done. The art is very nice on it, uh, very crisp pictures. They would have a little picture of some of the characters and, and some of the different uh, properties that they have. They have two sets of uh, cards. Uh, one's called Sensor Readings. And what's the other one called? Let me look here again. I've, I'm just kind of looking it over as... Uh, uh, I'll look it up in uh, subspace transmission. So those are the chance and community chess cards. The money is uh, gold press latinum bars from one to five hundred, just in you know the same kind of currency ranges. They didn't change that. So you know if, if something costs like hundred and fifty dollars in the old monopoly, that's what it costs here, or two hundred. It costs two hundred bars of cold gold press latinum, and uh, and they it come with these nice little pewter. Uh, little pieces uh, for your instead of the usual like car and hat and iron that's in monopoly there's a phaser a communicator let's see a captain's chair vulcan harp a mug and a shuttlecraft it looks like uh, six different little pieces for the monopoly set to play with dice as usual they still have the typical houses and hotels they didn't change that um and what else uh, here to tell you about? It's pretty much all standard size. It's the same size as a regular Monopoly game. Uh, same rules, all of that. And I've I've always loved Monopoly. It's been one of my favorite uh, games, board games, uh, since I was a, a young child. I I used to I can remember playing summers when you know there were no video games and a lot of stuff to do like that, uh, computers and everything. But we would play Monopoly pretty much almost every day. We would have ongoing games, and we would have we would play like Team Monopoly. So this is uh, kind of a, a, a you know one of my longtime favorite things to do and play. And a, a Star Trek version of this is very cool. I think I have a Star Wars version of it sitting around, and I think I might even have a Wizard of Oz one from these same people that put out this stuff. So. Uh, Related to this, and, I, and again, I think they've done an excellent job. Uh, I like uh, what they've done with it. The board looks great. Everything, I want to give it a shot and play it out. I haven't had a chance. I just got this a couple of days ago, uh, and they were very nice and sent me a couple of them complimentary. So for people of the audience listening to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast, we're having a contest. I have a pristine, still sealed in plastic 
uh, another uh, Star Trek uh, Monopoly Continuum Edition to give away to one of you. The contest will go for the next two weeks because next week we're going to do a Skype call, so I won't have time to announce a winner. So this will be two weeks uh, to get your entries to me, and the contest is couldn't be simpler. All you have to do is send me an email at treksf at gmail.com. You all know the email address by now. Put uh, the words contest or the word contest in the subject line so I can keep track of these. And you are entered. Just put your name and address uh, in the email. I, I do have to say I'm going to have to restrict this one to, uh, to the U.S. only. Uh, this is going to be a little bit to ship, and I, I unless, uh, well, we're just going to keep it that way. I think that's going to keep it simpler this time. Sorry for all of the U.K., Australia, worldwide listeners, but we're going to restrict this to United States only. It is called U.S. Monopoly or USA Monopoly or U.S. Opoly. How the heck do you say that? Anyway, so U.S. only for shipping uh, purposes. I, I, will, I will spring for the shipping, uh, but the... Uh, Contest is very simple for the next two weeks. I will announce it on the podcast two weeks from now. Send me an email with the word contest in the subject line so I'll know which one. Have your name and address in the email, and uh, you are entered. And I will randomly, I'll have some way of randomly picking the winner in two weeks for the uh, new uh, version or the the unopened version of this Star Trek Monopoly game. So very easy. I was going to have some kind of thing, you know, look up this you know, do this, maybe send me an audio comment or whatever. But I, I think we're just going to keep it like that. And uh, everyone can enter. Only enter once, please. Uh, don't do multiple emails and all that. Uh, let's have it, uh, keep it fun. Everyone gets a chance, at least those in the U.S. Sorry for the overseas guys. But you guys can still order a T-shirt if you haven't already. I've got a lot of T-shirt orders going to the U.K. even got one from Australia. Uh, I, I appreciate those, and thanks for that. Uh, come on, you U.S. people. Don't you want to look cool for the movie? <laughs> anyway, thanks again to the guys and people and the ladies at uh, USopoly for sending me the game, and uh, good luck to all those that enter the contest. Want to contribute to the weekly podcast with audio comments? Send them in to treksf at gmail.com or visit www.treksinsci-fi.com Treks and Sci-Fi with Rico Dusty. All right, what else to talk about before we wrap this up uh, for the week? Uh, I did see the movie Knowing with Nicolas Cage. Uh, very interesting movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, not the happiest film to see, but uh, I think it was pretty cool. Uh, the effects in it were amazing. It has some amazing effects near the end of the movie, especially. So uh, check that out. I do want to see that new animated uh, movie, Monsters vs. Aliens. I'd like to see that very soon. And we're starting to get very much into the time of all the big stuff coming out. So that's fun. Lots of good stuff still to watch on TV. I'm still enjoying Terminator, Dollhouse, Smallville. Heroes is getting better. Uh, what else? Uh, just Big Bang Theory. And, of course, tonight's Family Guy with the TNG folks. Really looking forward to that. So uh, that's it. Uh, coming up on the podcast uh, next week, we're going to do a Skype call. I hope to get a lot of people involved. The Skype call is going to be recorded next Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, that uh, is is pretty standard. Uh, we will be talking about uh, – it will be a standard kind of Skype call talking about TV, movies, 
probably some on Galactica and what's going on in the world of sci-fi in general and Trek and all that. So uh, if you want to uh, do that, uh, you can send me an email, let me know, or just show up uh, on Skype at that time. Send me a message. My Skype handle is, I think it's Trek SF. I can never remember if it's Trek SF or Treks in Sci-Fi on Skype, but I think it's Trek SF. So uh, I'll look forward to all of you uh, talking to you uh, next Saturday. That'll be, what is that, April the 4th, I think? Yeah, the 4th, uh, Saturday, talking about sci-fi over Skype. And that will be next week's podcast. In two weeks, I will be talking about the last, uh, at least up until May, the last Star Trek movie. We're going to be covering Star Trek Nemesis. I wanted to cover all the movies before the new one comes out to kind of get caught up that way. And we'll be talking about Nemesis and uh, maybe we'll have the final comic of the Star Trek Countdown book out uh, to talk about that. I'm not sure when the last issue comes out. It should be pretty soon, though. So until then, everyone, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and I will talk to you again next time. Take care and visit the website, sign up on the forums, put a review on iTunes and all that good stuff. I'll talk to you again soon. We're going to end the show with uh, one of... Rick Moyer's excellent parody songs. Uh, pick something uh, fun to play and take us out with on this week's edition of Treks and Sci-Fi. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye, everyone. Fleeing from the Cylon tyranny, the last battle star, Galactica, leads a ragtag fugitive fleet on a lonely quest. A shining planet known as Earth. There are those who believe that life here began out there, far across the universe, with tribes of humans who may have been the forefathers of the Egyptians, or the Toltecs, or the Mayans. Some believe that there may yet be brothers of men who even now fight to survive somewhere beyond the heavens. When I was just a boy, I heard that ABC was serving up some drama in space that I could see. It was about a battle star, but not your normal stanza, starring Warren Green. Cartwright from Bonanza. So these shiny metal bots were missions like machines. We're killing all the colonists with budgets never seen. I'd watch every week as the ships would turbo up and laugh at Boxy's Muppet, the barking robot pup. Ragtag, fugitive fleet, it's the ragtag. Fugitive fleet, it's the ragtag. Spouting by your command, we're killing all the humans and taking all their land. They blew up all the battle stars without a second thought. Only the Galactica would be the one they fought. Forced the humans out to space, they had to run. Putting all their ships together, man, that wasn't fun. The characters all made me smile, their wit and hero folly. Like Starbuck and Apollo, Colonel Ty and good old Jolly. Ragtag, fugitive fleet, with a ragtag. Fugitive fleet, with a ragtag. They were always there, the Chiba and Boomer, Cassiopeia so fair. The villains were so cool with names like Lucifer, Boltar and his minions and Centurions for sure. It's the ragtag, fugitive fleet, it's the ragtag, fugitive fleet, it's the ragtag, fugitive fleet, it's the ragtag, fugitive fleet. I felt bad for Apollo when Serena had to die, but later on the Pegasus, Sheba caught his eye. Count Ely made me nervous with his mental power strong. But what about those chicks with those mouths that sang that song? Ragtag. Fugitive fleet, it's the ragtag. Fugitive fleet, it's the ragtag.
they were eating honeycombs. Our heroes made it out, giving uniforms to greeters, saving all the warriors by faking all the leaders. The coolest part about the show, they came from near and far, were the Raiders and the Vipers, his station's battle stars. The Viper was the coolest, with talking ones to boot. Cora loved on Starbuck as he wore his darkened suit. The Ragtag, Fugitive Fleet, it's the Ragtag. Fugitive Fleet, it's the Ragtag. Fugitive Fleet, it's the Ragtag. Stand out right for me were Red Eye, Big Raiders, Starbucks Dad, is three. They're blowing up a base star, the one I liked a lot. They wobbled on their wings just so they would not get shot. Really, all the episodes were right into the vibe. Watching every week for the 13th tribe. Pyramids and castles, too, fighting in the mirth. All the while, searching for their new home they call the Earth. The Ragtag, Fugitive Fleet, the Ragtag. Fugitive Fleet, it's the Ragtag. Fugitive Fleet, it's the Ragtag. Galactica 1980. It didn't last so long. Troy and Dylan disappeared. After all, it was funny to see a dominant in a beard. Then there is the new one, a sci-fi that's for sure. The Starbuck is a woman and it's full of ripping beer. Silence had a makeover. The CGI just rocks. Some of them look human. We learned, we learned that in their talks. The Ragtag. Fugitive Fleet. It's the Ragtag. Fugitive Fleet. It's the Ragtag. Fugitive Fleet. Yeah, the Ragtag. Open ambrosia and raise your glasses high. This battle star Galactica really caught my eye. It's the ragtag, fugitive fleet, the ragtag. Apollo Galactica, This has been a Rick Dusty podcast production.